Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. The building. Got an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is to start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm Andre Howe. Welcome to another episode. We're just excited, man, to be able to bring to you guys another star-studded uh, guest, um, someone who I'm very familiar with, had the opportunity to know him uh, very well, known him for some, for some time. Now, he's a Tampa native, seven-year NFL vet, second-team All-MEAC in 2010, All-MEAC first-team 2011, defensive player of the year 2011, third-team All-American, HBCU All-American. I mean, he just racked it up in 2011, Dre. So um, a guy that I'm just uh, so uh, excited to kind of talk about his story, dive into the things that he's experienced on his way uh, to the top to success. So uh, with no further ado, I want to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Ryan Davis. Welcome to the podcast. What's good, man? Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. As I mentioned, man, just our podcast, man, we really like to just highlight individual story, the ups and downs on their way to achieving uh, their dreams and their goals, just trying to share and shed light on, on that process. So uh, we usually just get, get right into it. We start from the beginning, man. You t- Tampa native. Tell us a little bit about where you're from in Tampa and what it was like growing up there. Yeah, man. Um, I'm from an area in Tampa called Claremont City. Um, you know, pretty, you know, cool area, mainly black and uh, Latino. Um, but yeah, man, I, I kind of stayed out the way. You know, I when you know a lot of a lot of my friends and colleagues that was uh, you know getting into other stuff. Um, you know, but they had the same athletic ability as me, if not better. You know, they was getting into other stuff. I kind of just stayed focused and stayed out the way. You know what I'm saying? I had. I have a big brother who kind of, you know, showed me the way. I had some good male role models uh, in my life. Uh, my dad set the foundation, um, so you know, it was a good. It was a, it was it was a good time for me. I can't complain, man. My childhood, I was very active. Uh, mama kept me busy: basketball, football, uh, church. Um, you know, and I think you know uh, that's kind of what helped me get to where I am today. So, uh, it's it's a, I love my neighborhood. I love my city. Um, you know, it, it's been fun. It's been fun so far. Cool, cool. Let's talk about your introduction to sports. And as a kid, did you dream of playing professionally? Yeah, but it was basketball. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I always wanted to, you know, hoop. Uh, and that was my thing. And that was my my dad, like, you know, was a big hoop fan, him and my uncle. Um, but he, you know, I, was, I guess I've always been athletic. He seen me playing football at the park one day. Um, and kind of just, you know, put me on that path. He signed me up for flag football. I mean, not flag, but he signed me up for football soon after that. So, um, you know, that's kind of been, you know, my my, my story uh, so far. Yeah. So Blake High School, man, you attended Blake. Talk talk, talk to us um, why you, decided, why you, you know, ended up at Blake and just kind of your overall experience in sports there at Blake. So Blake, I ended up at Blake. Um, I wasn't even supposed to, I wasn't even signed up at Blake my first day. Um, I was signed up at another school called Tampa Bay Tech, and all my friends was telling me this, you know, that, you know, when we got back to the neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. 
and I wanted to go there. I wanted to go to Tech with my friends, but you know, I stayed at Blake. You know, my you know a lot of people there knew me already from my big brother going there, and I was familiar. I used to go there all the time to watch his games, basketball, football, whatever. So for me, um, you know, staying at Blake and creating my own lane at Blake instead of teaming up with my friends, uh, that probably was the best thing for me. You know, what I mean, I stayed out of a. Not to say that my friends got a lot of trouble at school, but that wasn't the case. But um, you know, I, stay, I think I probably stayed out of trouble because I wasn't with my friends, my my day ones all day and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you know, Blake was, you know, we weren't very good. We, you know, uh, I think we had a losing season every year. Uh, I was there. We might have had one winning season, but you know, that's just what it is. We always send a lot of guys to college though. And that's the thing that I like love about Blake. We always guys always went to college. And no matter how sorry or what we did as a team, guys went to school and got opportunities. So it's always been cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Let's talk about the rec- recruiting process. Did you have an understanding about the process before it started? No, I ain't understand nothing about it, man. I only played like a year. I played 14 games in high school, four my junior year, 10 my senior year. So I didn't know, I didn't know much about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was cool when coaches used to come and pull me out of class, you know, all these big schools, Florida, Florida State, Iowa, Louisville, USF, you know what I'm saying? Come and pull me out of class. And, um, you know, it, it, I felt like a big shot, you know what I'm saying? So I felt like that was the top of the, you know, the recruiting process and, you um, so, so as you mentioned, I know you mentioned about basketball. I know you had, you know, hoop dreams, basketball. Um, yep. Where did, how did football begin to kind of play a part, or was it, you know, something that you figured you can probably do a, uh, on the next level, both sports? I feel like I, me personally, I knew I could do it. Like I knew I could do it at a both sports at the next level. But for me, I wanted to play basketball predominantly, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I want to do. That's why I only played one full year of uh, high school football, because uh, I wanted to hoop, but I wasn't getting recruited like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I sent out, um, you know, letters to camps and all these, trying to get some exposure to the ABCD camp or whatever camp that was back in the day. I sent tape. Um, the tape was probably horrible, <laughs> but uh, I, I sent letters and all that and got denied. So, um, we used to fill out questionnaires all the time, especially for Florida State. I used to try to fill out some questionnaires. I don't even was Leonard Hamilton there. I'm not sure if Leonard Hamilton was there. He might have been at Miami because I know he was at Miami before a little while. Yeah, I don't know yet, but um, I used to always fill them out for Florida State, try to get there um, to hoop and all that kind of stuff. But you know that wasn't the case. So for me, you know, moms couldn't pay for it. You know what I'm saying? It's just her and us three. Or you know, um, so you know, my big brother earned a scholarship. To Albany State, Tuskegee. Um, so you know, it was, it was right. It was, for me, I had to go to school. That was my thing. So full um, ride, and I, I was under the impression that I could play both sports anyway. So I, I felt like, okay, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know what I'm saying? So I can still hoop at the next level. I'm still D1, and I, I can play football too. So um, you know, that, that's it was a sweet deal for me. Talk, talk about before, uh, like uh, you ended up. How did the Bethune Cookman thing happen for you? Kind of how did that whole thing, and did you know much about it before even stepping on campus? What you knew about it? I, I knew a little bit about Cookman from the Florida Classic. Um, was, I knew it was uh, HBCU. I knew it was in Daytona, um, but I'd never like uh, 
been on campus. I've never took a tour of anything. I probably drove by it. Um, but that's as far as my knowledge of Bethune Cookman went at the time. You know, my head coach at high school went to Bethune Cookman. He wore number 49, Sean Washington. And so, um, you know, and then uh, Coach Gross, he recruited the area. So I remember him and Wash in there talking and whatnot. And I got familiar with Coach Gross. And then, um, you know, they offered me the scholarship, you know, uh, to, and, you know, I'm one of the guys I want to play both sports. At uh, Hampton University, they came in there and tried to, you know, uh, give me that same thing. They didn't offer me, but they were talking like, hey, we're going to do this and all of that. But Bethune was the only school to offer me. So, um, you know, I stuck with them. They stuck with me. I stuck with them. I even had to, after I signed my letter of intent, I still had to get, like, qualified. So cause my SAT scores weren't high. So I went and took the ACT and one time, and that was a breeze. So um, they stuck with me through it all. And honestly, you know, I'm glad everything worked out that way. So what was the biggest adjustment for you coming from high school to college? Probably uh, the discipline and schedule and probably just managing all your time, man, because you got a lot of you – ain't, you ain't in mama house no more. You got a lot of free time now. So it's pretty girls on camp. I had a girlfriend, but, you know. It's still pretty girls on campus, you know. You, you see something, like, dang, she got her own whip, and you know, you're seeing all this kind of stuff. So you kind of get, you know, lost in the in the, in the in the phenomenon that is college. So uh, you know, I, I kind of had to manage myself and get myself under control, and like realize I had so much freedom, scheduling classes, and you really become independent, man. Nah, shoot, I almost flunked out of college because I had so much time and was losing track of, uh, you know, my scheduling, you know, not having any discipline. So, uh, you know, that's probably the biggest adjustment right there, just managing my time and having that discipline. Like you See, Dre, HBCU is a, is, a, is a different kind of experience. When you talk about, uh, yeah. you know, the, the distractions that, that there is, um, on campus, uh, you know, like when you talk about some of the PWIs, some of the other schools, you know, people go to go to class and sweats and slides. Yeah. HBCU is like it's like you're going to the club. Yeah, they, they dressed. They come and dress. <laughs> what school you went to, Dre? I went to Vanderbilt. Okay, right there, in Nashville. Right. Nashville, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was just in Nashville. All right, yeah, yeah. All right. So, 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 so that that you know, when you talk about just a, you know trying to stay focused, especially. Uh, I think you registered your first year, so kind of having you know that time. Away. Oh yeah, I was in man. I was in UCF. Every other month with my homegirl Felicia, she's come down there, man. We hit it. We was at UCF like partying. My girlfriend at the time, she's come to Orlando. We'd all meet up in Orlando and have a time, man. But uh, yeah, that almost cost me. <laughs> almost cost. I was having a little too much fun, so I, mean, I had to focus. Man. I had to focus. And we've all seen those guys who couldn't make that change. So for you to kind of write the ship, man, is you oh, know, yeah. nothing but respect. So after a couple of years, because you came in as a wide receiver, you were in the room with me and some yeah. of the other guys that was um, was, was there, whether it be Paul or, yeah. or Stefan or yeah. Vic. Joe you know, Singleton, yeah. Joe Singleton. Like, yeah. You know, so yeah. you came in as, as, as a, you know, as, as, as the wide receiver position, but – some shortly after, you know, they began to try to change your position and ultimately get you on the defensive side. Can you talk about that process and what it was like for you? Yeah, even before the, the defensive side, they tried to move me to offensive tackle, man. I didn't know what that was about. <laughs> I was, I was going to transfer. I was already talking about going to – If it was a transfer portal back then, you'd have been in the portal? That would have been in the portal that day. 
I ain't finna play no tackles, man. But I, I didn't know what to do. I'm talking to my brother about going to Tuskegee, man. Hit these coaches up and whatnot, you know, because I'm like, I'm not finna. I'm 220 at the time. Like, I'm big for a receiver. I don't even know if I'm 220. But either I probably was one of the biggest ones as a freshman. But, like, you know, I didn't – I'm not a tackle. I think our heaviest tackle was 260. I'm like, man, I ain't finna go. I'm not even that strong yet. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like, I don't understand it, you know. But we run and cut. And all that kind of stuff, and we, you know, that was our offense, the wide ball. So we like to get our tackles mobile. So I understood it, but I understand it for me. <laughs> you know, I, 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 like, nah, cause I gotta, I gotta catch the ball or something. Like, I, that's what I wanted. I wanted to catch touchdown fast. But um, you know, everything worked out. I ended up playing defense later on that year. You know, I think coach kind of knew that I wasn't feeling that tackle stuff, and you know, um, I was able to have some success at the end of the. I don't know what year that was, 2009, 2008 or nine. One of them, I had some success down the end of the year. And, um, you know, it worked out. You know, they kept me on the defensive side, and I was able to carve out a starting role. So, yeah. Well, talking about the senior year, team success and individual success, and the moment you thought you could play in the next level. Oh, man, senior year was fun, man. We got a lot of national attention as a squad, um, and I think that's due to us being 10-2 and two that previous year. And just running through the MEAC like that, um, like it was an unbelievable run. And they came, you know, when Coach Jenkins came, and you know, it changed the system up a little bit for us. And we kind of let our athletes kind of got exposed, you know, like uh, we reached, you know, unlocked some potential. Um, so for me personally, um, you know, I it was a dream. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it all didn't even really feel real at times. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the stuff I was doing and attention I was getting, but um, it, it was fun, man. I was able to go out there and dominate. My whole thing that year was to dominate. Um, you know, I was talking with a family friend. He said, man, you know, if you want to be taken serious, you know, because, you know, you've got the potential, you got to go out here and dominate at this level because, you know, this is a FCS level, a 1AA. Um, so you got to go out there and get 20 sacks. You know, you got to get your name out there. And, and that was my whole mission, go out there and get 20 sacks. I didn't get 20 sacks, but – I dominated in every way that I thought I could, you know, whether it be with getting 12 sacks. I was always in the backfield, TFLs. Uh, I think I led the country in um, four fumbles that year. I got like a plaque for that, which is wild to me because I didn't even know it. But, um, you know, so I, I really wanted to dominate that year and really put my, you know, myself on the map personally as well as win games. Uh, and, uh, that year was just fun. It was a lot of fun, man. Like as you mentioned, uh, there was a coaching change. Uh, we ran a certain system when I was there. And then why you doing, uh, yeah? Brian Jenkins come in, and I mean, same the same talent that was already there. All of a sudden, you know, y'all are running through conferences. Y'all are winning, beating major D one programs. So as I sat back and kind of watched you guys and, and leading up to your senior year and the success you guys were having, because yeah. all you guys were on the team when I was there. So like to see right. all the young young guys ball out like that. I was like, yo, this is crazy. I mean, again, if you, even from the idea that you were a wide receiver and then you moved over to the defensive side, I knew that offensive tackles wasn't going to be able to block you. You know what I mean? So, like, I wasn't surprised for the yeah. success, but, I mean, the level of success everybody was having, that just kind of blew, blew my mind. Yeah, man. That, And I'm thinking about it now. It was like, you know, it wasn't no big-time transfers that came in and did that. We was all homegrown. Yeah. Like, and when I think about it, like, Nate was All-American. Corey was getting awards every other week before he got hurt. 
himself. And then we had safeties back there. You could not throw the ball deep. Like, you couldn't do it. Like, um, like our key or Mike Williams or Gene, like, one of, I think they all had, like, at least four picks, like, one year. So it, it was it was, it was crazy to see all the team success. We got Ryan and Reggie right there. I think, I think Ryan was, like, um, he was damn near, like, defensive player of the year, I think, or ended, I don't know. But he was close. Like, Ryan, every, he was getting a pick six, seemed like, every other week. Every week. I was like, goodness gracious. And then he was, like, the – First team all he was the he was the he was the Ryan everybody knew going into the, you know what I'm saying going into the season I kind of my name kind of came going into my senior year but Ryan our junior year Ryan like Ryan really like put like put us on the map for real for real like as far as the defense go and you know and everything kind of worked out for everybody but to see that to see everybody's potential being unlocked and snap like that man that was that was a blessing man. No doubt. So, so, so after you know, maybe just highlight a game that you knew that kind of turned it for you to like say, maybe I can really play at this next level. What, what was it? Was it a particular game? Yeah, that Norfolk State game. I'm gonna always remember that one. That was that was the game that turned. Really, I could say turned my life around. I guess if I can say that, if I could be that dramatic. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a TV game. Norfolk State was like the number one team in the conference. They had an all conference, all American quarterback. Um, so and we go in there. I think it was a Thursday night game, if I'm not mistaken. So we was going to have a nice, okay audience watching on ESPN. Um, but I went in that game and had what, three and a half, four sacks, like six TFLs, and two forced fumbles, and like 11 tackles. I remember that. The stat line is around that. But it, it was crazy to me. And we won that game like 14 to six. It was a tough defensive game. And I don't know what I was thinking that game. I just kind of blacked out <laughs> and did my thing. I really don't know. I really can't explain it. It was like a zone. zone. Yeah, I was in the zone. It's exactly. <laughs> I was in a zone where I feel like nothing, uh, everything I'm doing out here is going to work. You know what I'm saying? Everything, nothing I'm doing, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm confident in my movement, like my steps, running to the ball. And, just, and, then that, and that was the game where I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm, I might be on another level. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking all this to myself. I'm not really, you know me, I ain't going to talk about myself. But I'm thinking all this, okay, you know, this could be a real, you know, thing moving forward. Like, you know, and lo and behold, I got national recognition for it. And, you know, it just took off from there. My name was in somebody's article every week after that game. So it was, it was all cool. I mean, MEAC Defensive Player of the Year, um, you know, All-American, HBCU All-American. So there was a, a lot of, like you said, attention. Talk about the postseason in terms of uh, getting prepared for the draft. Did you participate in any all-star games? And what did you think, you know, you had the possibility of going? But as far as getting drafted, what, 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 what were you hearing? So HBCU Bowls and, uh, and the Battle of Florida, those are the two all-star games I participated in. And uh, in the HBCU Bowl, I had two sacks. Uh, in that game, and I and, and that was my first time really seeing a lot that many teams in one place like, as far as NFL, like scouts and all that kind of stuff. With a bunch of them, I think all 32 teams were represented at the time, so that's my first time seeing that. And in the Battle of Florida, that was just elevated. You didn't you didn't have just HBCUs no more. You had guys from big time schools. So going out, that was another important week for me, even though that was the only year that 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 particular all-star game 
was there and it was in South Florida, I knew I had to go out there and compete with guys that had Florida State on their helmet or Miami on their helmet. You know what I'm saying? I had to go out there and make a name for myself. I was out there, one-on-one drills, I'm killing it. You know, spin move, I'm not even a real spin move kind of guy, but I'm out there doing all kind of stuff. Uh, you know, hey, this is me now, come on. You know, I'm trying You're to- all the tricks out the bag. Hey, hey, I'm there, need y'all to see that I can do this. Russian standing up, you know, three-point, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I get a sack in that game, I have a good show. So all that kind of stuff really mattered because after that, I don't think there was an HBCU Bowl no more or that Battle of Florida. That Battle of Florida game got, I don't know what happened, but um, so I had to have a good showing, and for me, I did that. I felt like I did that, and I kept my name uh, fresh out here. So I wasn't like you know just a guy that can ball out on the HBC or one double A level. So um, you know, I get um, you know, you sign your agent, everything, and you move on to um, you know, you know, pre-draft. You know, you get to talk to all these teams. And they talk to you and all this kind of stuff. They call you and want to pick and prod. Have you ever smoked weed before? Yeah. Have you ever stolen anything before? And all these different teams calling. Uh, but one team in particular that kept calling uh, on a regular every week, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, the D coordinator now, Joe Cullen for the Jaguars, was my D, D line coach in Jacksonville. And he, I, he actually ran my pro day. Like if you, it's on YouTube. If you go look at it, you see Joe Cullen there yelling and screaming at me, and Paul Spicer there. Those were those were the guys that brought me in. They were my position coaches in Jacksonville. Well, they called me every week, so I felt like you know this ain't normal. I, well, you know, I'm thinking I don't know if this is normal or not because I don't know how the protocols go. You know, I'm getting calls, but these guys they're making it known. So I'm thinking I'm gonna get drafted there this whole time. Come draft day, I even get a call. I got a call, third, oh no, not third, I ain't gonna say that, fourth, probably about around the fourth or fifth round. I'm not even sure. Uh, yeah, around that time, I'm thinking like, oh, this is it. This is the call. Like, hey, call me and say, if we don't take such and such here, you know, we're gonna grab you. You know what I'm saying? But, and I'm, you know, I'm fingers crossed, I'm like, all right, it didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I was kind of, I was disappointed in that moment. Uh, but towards the end of the draft, that's when everything kind of heat up. Sixth, seventh round, that's what a lot of people don't know. Like, that's when all the teams uh, kind of call you in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get these priority free agent deals going on now. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking, like, oh, okay, oh, sixth, seventh round, I just want to see my name on TV. But it was calling for, you know, free agent deals and all that kind of stuff. So we ended up, um, like, in a not a bidding war, but, you know, they, you know, I think the Cardinals and the Texans, there about eight teams trying to call. I'm, I'm handing phones off like this. You know, they got everybody number right now. Yeah. I'm yeah. handing phones off like, oh, no, all right, all right, all right. We're doing that. Felt like a big shot for all of an hour maybe. Uh, but we ended up signing with Jacksonville just because I was familiar with it. You yeah. know, the D-line coach, I taught him every day. It's up the road from Cookman. It's three hours from home. Uh, and they was, they was messing with me the hardest, honestly. Them in Arizona, but Jacksonville was messing with me the hardest. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I had a chip on my shoulder that I wasn't a draft pick, um, and I knew I could go in there and compete for a starting—not a starting job, but for a role and make the team. So uh, really, I just ended up in Jacksonville because I was familiar with uh, the coaching staff, and um, you know, it was right there, the proximity. So for me, it was a no-brainer. Um, you know, and you know, I really thought I was going to be drafted there. But, 
everything works out. You know, it feels better to kind of go my route that I did. But, you know, it, it would have been nice to be drafted to get a little extra money in your pocket, though. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm glad you highlight that because I think for young people, they don't really understand. Uh, it's really, even when those phone calls start happening in the later round, that's a yeah. strategy, right? They really use that strategy to start, you know, you know, building a relationship with guys. So they start calling guys in the third round, fourth round saying, hey, man, I'm fighting for you. Just yeah. keep your phone on. Yeah. And they know most of the time they're not going to draft you, but what they're trying to do is say, keep that up. Keep it up. So when the guy, when it's time to choose a team, he's like, oh, this guy been reaching out to me since the beginning. Now, Jaguar did a great job of cultivating that relationship for you yeah. prior to that. Really you know what I'm saying? Because that matters. You know what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. all That's all intel when you talk about the draft process. And um, I'll, I'll let Dre even talk about the combine because you talk about how they was calling you asking all these questions. The combine is a whole different animal. Man, I heard stories about combine. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Combine is, is, is really crazy, bro. Like, I couldn't believe all, all the stuff they was asking me, all the stuff we was doing. I'm like, what, what, where, where am I right now? I, I, I'm probably all over the world, but it, it was crazy, bro. It's crazy, crazy feeling, man. It's real crazy, bro. Real Drug crazy. testing you at four or five in the morning. Yeah. You had medical all day long. Yeah. And then you gotta go. And then you gotta go run a forty, man. What's how long, man? I'm stressed. So, so, so that's just a part of the process, man. But definitely the Jaguars they cultivate their relationship. But that, that is, but that's a strategy, though. Like definitely. If they know that you're going to be more of a late round possible undrafted, and they yeah. know that they, they they take that value and possibly getting you at that, they gonna you know it's it's a game from that point on. It's a game, man. It's definitely a game. They played it well, but that's what I needed though. Um, with that 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 coaching staff with Joe yeah. Cullen and Foss Spicer. like if you know Joe Cullen, he uh, he 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 on you, man. Yeah. He gonna yell and curse. He gonna curse at you though. He you know he gonna he gonna do all that on the field. He'll never curse at you personally. Like he's one of them tough, hard-nosed coaches that like, you can't you can't BS around. You know what I'm saying? So for me having him uh, my rookie year, uh, you know, it was a it was a, it was a culture shock. It was definitely it was definitely something to see. And uh, seeing how coaches and players talk to each other, that was that was that was a sight for me too. Because I seen a player cuss out a coach and they get in trouble. I was like, what? Like, y'all could do that here. <laughs> it's all it's all grown men now. So I'm like, yes. okay, you know, and life goes on. Ain't nobody get mad or nothing. I'm like, all right, well, all right, that's how it goes. I would never do that, you know. But uh, that's how. It <laughs> so you so you go on draft and you sound the Jags. What was it like walking to the NFL locker room for the first time? Uh, well, the first time was rookie camp, so it was cool. Um, you know. Everybody kind of wide-eyed and seeing what's going on, and uh, you know that it was cool to walk in and see your gear, you know, on on the on your on your in your locker, you know, mm -hmm. seeing your cleats with your number and uh, your helmet with your sticker on and whatnot, your gloves. It was cool to see all that NFL gear and the Gatorade machines was filled up with Gatorade and water. <laughs> Man, I was like, what? And they had a calf, and I'm like, what? Going out of here. Like, hey, we, if you if you take two muscle milks, that's you. We coming to get that. And I take too many muscle milks, and they had all this. I laying out. Just, I'm like, all right, this is this is this is all right here. But um, but that was surreal, man. Just seeing that and you know, realizing where you at. Um, I don't think it hit me right in that moment. You know what I'm saying? But um, even when the vets came, now you, you know you kind of get a little intimidated because like, all right. These the millionaire guys, some of these guys millionaires and big name guys. 
Um, you see, I'm seeing Rasheem Mathis for the first time after hearing, so much, after hearing so much about him. You know what I'm saying? But through Cookman legend right there. So just be the, his teammate for a year. You know, that was cool. Man. He you know, come over and we talk, chop it up a little bit, you know, but he's more, uh, I got to know him a little bit. He's more of a quiet, you know, reserved guy, you know, and I appreciate him. He's a man of faith and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I got to know him a little, a little bit, but um, just seeing him and like, man, how he's regarded in Daytona and and in Jacksonville, sure. you know, he's like royalty here. So uh, it, it was pretty cool, man, to see all of that and you know, experience it. So, so when did you realize um, you had a possibility as an undrafted player to possibly make that team? When, man, I, I was gonna make the team off rip. I ain't even gonna hold you. Like in practice, I'm doing all these, you know, these moves, and I'm rushing pretty good, and like these, you know, but I'm not realizing I'm going against rookies as well. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going against like top dogs necessarily every practice. So I'm thinking I'm just doing so good, you know, but uh, that's not the case. Uh, but I still thought I was going to make the team because I had a good preseason, honestly. I think I had two and a half sacks the preseason, um, and I thought I rushed pretty like well. But obviously that didn't go that way, and I know where I, I know why I didn't make the team now because I didn't do enough on special team, mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of guys fall short at. You know what I'm saying? They might be good or might you know be better than whoever, or but if you don't have no value on special teams as an undrafted guy, yeah, you slim to none unless you just going out there cooking everybody every play. <laughs> if you're doing that every play, you ain't you ain't gonna do it, but. That's that's the secret sauce, though, bro. Special teams in, on the NFL level, you got guys that could have not had no production in terms of uh, position in college, right? But was productive on special teams. They gonna mm-hmm. get them a shot, and then some guys build careers as a special team player. Hey, man, you get me? They build careers on special teams, and they still a lot of guys played. I mean, who, what's the what's, what's the guy name for the Patriots? He's like awesome, Slaughter. Yeah, Slater, AC Slater. Slater, Slater. Yeah, Slater. Awesome, man. Like he, like he's like he's a pro. He might make he might make the Hall of Fame because I mean he done been Pro Bowl, All Pro, so many years. Just special team. He ain't oh. played a down at wide receiver. And I don't even know how how long he been in the league. Over ten years. Nah, for fifteen. Fifteen. That's what I'm saying. So special teams matter, and I didn't understand that then. You know, I kind of figured it out a little later, and I was like, okay, as I carved out a niche, but um. Special teams, man. You know, I thought I was gonna make the team my rookie year, and I know why. But I'm glad they kept me around on the practice squad. And uh, actually, when they when they when they released me, I was in Daytona, man. I, I'm thinking I made the team because they they doing all the cuts, and I'm like one of the last ones to get cut. You know, I'm in Daytona at this time. So I'm, I could just couldn't stay still. I was nervous. But I'm thinking, man, if they would have did, they would have did it by now. Everybody pretty much cut. I think I'm safe. But they cut me. I had to drive back. Uh, to Jacksonville from Daytona, and uh, it's like hey, clear words going to put you on the practice squad. What was your welcome to NFL moment? Welcome to the NFL moment, man. Was he getting that phone call to say you gonna get cut? Or? I that I didn't really have one my rookie year. Yeah, I probably, but I think I only only played one game my rookie year, and that was against the Bears. And uh, I guess it could be like. I'm gonna go a different route. A lot of people's NFL welcome to NFL moments happen to be like a hard hit that they took or something like that. But for me, it was uh, me not getting a sack in that first game. When when I looked at the film, I realized 
I was this, and I, that could have been me playing. I could have been playing my rookie year if I had got off the ball like I was supposed to. And because I beat the guy, I had a late get off, but I beat him. And I just missed Jay Cutler's hand. It could have been a sack fumble in the end zone. So that right there for me, it's like it's a game of inches, a game of opportunity. I get that sack. I'm not going back on practice squad. You know what I'm saying? Right then and there, you know, I'm playing. I'm in the rotation. So for me, that probably that's probably my welcome to NFL moment right there. See, and, and a normal fan wouldn't think that that mattered, but as an undrafted guy, it matters. Man. It matters. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just those little things that can make a difference between, you know, starting your career sooner than what you what you started. Yeah. Like, you understand But after that, I didn't play no more games. Like, they deactivated me for the Oakland Raiders game. I was still active, but they, you know, you know how you had your healthy scratches. Mm-hmm. After that, after one more game, you know, they put me back on practice squad. So uh, and I would finish the year on practice squad and same thing in 2013 until they brought me back up. So, so, you know, so, so, talk, like that. so talk about what you learned on the practice squad. That's a good question. You know, not just you, but there's some other guys who um, yeah. came from, from whether it be Eric Wing, some of those guys who went to practice squad route one or two years. Talk yeah. about what you learned on the practice squad. Um, you know, you doing those times, doing those times. What, what was it about it that you kind of learned about the NFL and your position? Mm-hmm. On practice squad, you're going to do everything. You hear me? You're going to play scout team tight end, scout team receiver. <laughs> uh, so that really took me back to Cookman when I was on the scout team. So it was really like that. You know, you're going to do it all and then some. You're going to come in, you're going to lift four times a week or five times a week. And the active guys only lifting two, maybe three times a week. So you really kind of – really kind of got to get better in that time or it's, you know, they're not going to have a lot of patience for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So practice squad, I always felt like, you know, I had to, you know, do something. I had to be good every practice. I had to be on point. I couldn't be out here tricking it off. You know what I'm saying? And I really had to stay detailed. And, I, and, and that's something I learned at Cookman with Coach Jenkins. This whole thing was details. So for me, I carried that over, and, and I didn't want to be sloppy out there and, and be, you know, not paying attention and be the last guy in line or just lollygagging and whatnot. I want to stay around. And one thing, one of, and our D, our D coordinator that year, Mel Tucker, he always say, compete to, compete to play, compete to stay. And that stuck with me right there. Like you, and it, it rang true. You compete to true. Play, compete to stay. So – like he he was he's a he's a cool guy too man. He's a humorous guy. He's kind of got that dark humor thing going on. I, I love it. But uh, Mel is at, at Michigan State now. I think right he, head coach at Michigan State. Was he D coordinator coach head coach? What he, what he, he head coach at Michigan State now. I think. Nice, nice. Well, he, that always that always stayed with me, man. So so, so so you would just contribute again because you went from a practice squad player to a consistent contributor. I'm talking about balling, contributing, making yeah. sacks. You know, just the was it the film study? Was it the weight room? You know, what was it really? That just kind of uh, was it a combination of all of it. I, it was a combination of that because I got stronger in the process, I got faster. Um, but you know, I think they in I think a new coaching change also helped me out as well. Yeah. I think when I got when I got in, it was Coach Malarkey. And I think after that year, I think Gus Bradley and them came in, and then I had Coach Wash as my D line and Coach Whitecott. Um, so when those guys came in, they really groomed me and worked. They came in from 
Coach Gus came from Seattle and that whole yeah. defense over there. Mm-hmm. He implemented the system over here where you know it's you know you got the big ends, you got your Leos. I was a Leo because I was on a not real big guy, but you want to use my quickness. I'm still on the practice squad and one practice, you know, but I don't know what made him do it, but they rushed me in on the inside, that three technique. They had me standing up, you know, so I'm doing one-on-ones and I'm winning. You know, I'm using my quickness against guys. And they're like, hold on, you know, we might could use this. So um, that's basically when I started, um, you know, getting burned right there. You know, I, I, had a, I had some good practices. They liked what they saw. I was getting consistent pressure. And they threw me in my first game in 2013 against the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, I think my first rush or two, or my second rush, I mean, I whooped the guy. I whooped him bad. And I hit the quarterback, forced the incompletion. And I'm, I'm running out the field. I'm just jacked up. I'm like, yeah, I, I got it. I got my first little lick, you know what I'm saying? I, I did it quick, too. So um, I think that's that's right there is what kicked it off for me. And then um, – I think not too long after that, I got an interception in the game. I think I guess the Texas, probably two games later. But um, it was really just a combination of stuff, film, getting lifting, and just being patient. Um, and, you know, just working hard, man, just being of service. The more you can do, too. That's yeah. another popular phrase. Just, just doing everything. The more you can do, yeah, you'll be on the field. You can, you'll stick around a lot longer. So, mm-hmm. what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So when did you realize NFL is more business and not just about talent? Shoot. I think I knew that <laughs> rookie year, probably. I think uh, I knew it rookie year, I guess. Or oh, no, nah, I ain't going to say that. It would be a better example. Uh, when did I know? I guess, I mean, I knew it was a business, but this always, it's always cliche. You know what I'm saying? You'd be like, oh, the NFL is a business, but you don't really, I ain't really sit down and think of it. But when they cut me in 2016, that's when I it kind of got in my head. Because uh, I've been there for years, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm homegrown right down the street. Uh, you know, and I, you know, I, I re-signed the contract. I signed the second round tender in 2016. You know what I'm saying? Um, and when I re-signed that tender, I'm thinking, I, you know, this is going to be my year to kind of do my thing and get a bigger contract. You know, I'm going to compete for a starting role and whatnot. Um, but I signed that tender. They moved my position to Sam Linebacker. Never played Sam Linebacker in my life. So they draft uh, Yannick Ngakwe. They draft Jalen. That was the year they draft Jalen Ramsey. And they draft Yannick Ngakwe in the third round. And um, I kind of seen the writings on the wall. Actually, the year before that, they draft Dante Fowler. And that's when I kind of seen the writings on the wall then, too. Because I'm like, oh, okay. So they, you know, when you see that, when they drafting at your position, you kind of, you, you already sent something. And then, you know, I, how I go from, I'm reading tweets about, you know, because we had a thing with me called the lightning package, where it was me, Gray, Clem, and, and Sendarius. But the next year when they drafted him, I kind of got moved out of that scenario. I'm like, I just had six and a half sacks. You know, my PFF score was like 86, like just rushing. I'm like, yo, what's going on? You know, but Dante got hurt. So I ended up, you know, um, staying that year. You know, they ended up keeping me. But the next year they draft Yannick, and I'm like, all right. They moved me to Sam. I see the runs on the wall, and they tried to 
you know, I give I give uh, my position coach credit. You know, he tried to work with me. You know, he tried to give me a chance, but I just couldn't grasp Sam linebacker. You know, chasing down and playing at depth like that, I couldn't grasp that. So, uh, you know, they had to do what they had to do, and that's when I realized it was a business. At the time, I had a pregnant girl. At the time, and, you know, none of that went. And when I realized none of that went to that decision. That's when it kind of hit me hard. Like, okay, this is a business. Baby. You know, they're gonna do what's best for them. Right. You know, for me, you know, that's it hit me the hardest. And I think 2016 is probably my roughest year, professionally and personally. Well, professionally, I say that. And, you know, that's when I went. To, and then I went to Dallas after that. After they cut me, but yeah, that's when I realized when they changed when they signed me to a contract, moved my position, and cut me. So yeah, you know, after some production, um, I don't know how many less I had the least amount of snaps, and I'm still getting production. But that's how it is. I mean, you talk about the just the wave of emotions though, from like because you signed to a new contract, that's the most money you right, the most money I'm scheduled to make, yeah, right. right. And then change the position, see, um, but but and what I like to kind of highlight because I've seen this so much where you know the guys. For the love of the game, not really, you know, fully understanding the business side of it, right? Like, you know, I just love playing this game, but the the, the, the NFL gonna do the team gonna do what's best for them all the time, right? So right. When, when you hear about players, you know, sometimes deciding to take their own future in their hands and make the money they want to go and do it, it's it kind of frowned upon. But in your case, you know, what I'm saying how you get the short end of the stick, and we've had so many different guys on. Talk about either restructuring their contract for the team, taking a different role, and then the team still messed them over in the end. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that really matters. That impacts a lot of stuff. And you can talk about guys mentally. You got a baby on the way. You know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly, yeah. That's real. Like this. I used to always man, I used to always say that watching games, like, man, I go and play special teams for half the money. Why them boys sitting out? Why they holding out? Mm. And when I got in it, I understand it now. I'm always on the player side now. Like if a guy holding out. He holding out. They get that man his money because I already understand how it is, and I know a lot of the uh, I know a lot of the fans don't understand it or don't like it because they, they think you know hey, these guys making millions. What, what you know what are they doing? I'd kill for that. First of all, you're not good enough to be in this position. Number one, <laughs> number two, it's a lot that's going on behind it. So when guys put themselves first, I absolutely understand it because the team's going to do it. And I've been on the short end of that stick where. I probably could have went to free agency and got some money. You know, when I signed to Dallas, they told me they was waiting on me to hit them, uh, hit free agency. So I probably could have got who knows what, you know, in free agency. And I, and I kind of, and that's and that's my fault. You know what I'm saying for not doing my homework and and not getting on my agent or whoever at the time about you know being more you know business like I should have right. been instead of having my emotions and everything tied up into. Uh, Jackson into one organization. No, I couldn't. I should have been thinking like you know a business, but you know that's just how it went. You know it was a lesson learned. You know what I'm saying? So, but you, but you ain't know. You ain't know again. That's how. That's just how yeah. it is. Like we we, and that's what a lot of people don't know. And that's what I want this podcast to really be about. Like giving guys these type of thoughts before they even in that position, so that they can know. Like okay, like I understand that. Yeah, I love playing this game. This team gave me my first opportunity, but that don't mean that you gotta. That's where, right. you know, you got to understand the business, too. You got to say, hey, what's the best for my family? I talked to, we, we, we have, had a guy on, and we asked him about 
um, he opted out of his, he was on the Golden State Warriors right before they started to win their championships. He opted out to get a bag from, from, from uh, Sacramento. And I asked him, would he have done it again if he knew he'd have been on a team on that run? He said, no, because it's about taking care of my family. Like, right. I know guys who selling their rings today because they ain't got the money. Right. It's about, yeah, it's about, like, all that team stuff sound good. Really good. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's you. What you going to do for yourself and your family and your future and how can you, you know, generate some wealth? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I, you know, I wish I would have been thinking like that then, you know what I'm saying? At, how old was I? 26, 25? I don't know. I wish I was thinking like that, being a little more, I needed to be a little more selfish instead of trying to you know, play in Jacksonville and you know, appease them. That's not the case. And, I, and, 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 and that's part of the reason why I parted ways with my agent, because after, even after Dallas, I didn't have a good year in Dallas. My mom was all over the place. I'm having a baby. I'm moving, I'm doing all this. I didn't have a good year at all. That's probably the first time I've been hurt for real. I pulled a hamstring, my knee was hurt, had knee surgery. Like my mental, I'm all over the place. And then uh, I get a chance to go to Buffalo and they bring me on. I felt like I had a, a, a good season. And after the season, I told my agent, hey, I want to get released. I want to ask for a release so we can go get some money in the free agency. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I'm comparing my numbers. You know, my numbers weren't great. But guys that had the same numbers as me are getting paid. And that was my thing. I needed to, like, hey, I need to go get paid. So let's just, get, you know, request this release from Buffalo. And I had this conversation probably in January or February. It was after the season. And well before free agency starts in March. And then lo and behold, you know, he, he telling me, like, okay, you know, they love you here. You know, the D coordinator loves you here, and, and he did. The D coordinator did. Um, but, you know, free agency approaches, you know, I'm watching all these guys. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing all of this, and I'm thinking I'm still going to play in Buffalo. I'm about to make probably an M. That's probably the most money I'm about to schedule to make now at that point. And um, they released me probably two weeks after free agency, and I felt like that was, like, so dirty. Wow. Yeah, I feel like that was so dirty. And that's when I was just pissed off at my agent, and I ended up firing him with another guy. But I'm like, you know, we would have did what I wanted to in the beginning, and I'd have been happy. You know, you still would have had a client. You would have more money in your pocket. I would have got paid, you know, like I wanted to. We all would have been in a happy situation. But um, but that goes to show you the business side of stuff. I'm like, I always kind of trust your gut, your instinct, you know what I'm saying, these kind of things. And. They ended up in Buffalo. Ended up signing a guy for like thirty m's a dn too. So they cut me. And they they talking about you know money and budget and all this. And they cut me. How you cut me? I'm about to make an m. That is, that's like league minimum, y'all. What y'all talking about? <laughs> you coming up with these all these? Y'all can make NFL. They make room for who they want to. Right? Exactly. Um, so, but yeah, it's just I've got their business. Yeah. So 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 when you was asking your agent that he never had that conversation with the organization is what you're saying like he never yeah. told them. No, I felt no, he didn't, and I feel like he coddled to the teams. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> and I feel like he 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 didn't want to get in bad with them, like you know what I'm saying. I felt and I felt like that, and we had I don't know if we had this talk. We, I think we had a talk. I don't know. I was I was pissed off. Like, I was mad. You know what I'm saying. My wife now. 
like she gave me the courage to let him go because I was like again I was like, he was cool he was a good guy you know he like he can be a friend but I wasn't looking for a friend I right. needed somebody to be a sharp going there and hey don't call her to these teams go in there and vouch for me go in there and get what I deserve I'm telling you to do this and I felt like he wasn't doing that at the time so he didn't do it and it came back and bit me in the ass and like all right just you know, I gotta let you go. I gotta move on. But you you hit on the point because it's it's really about relationship. If you see a lot of these guys, um, agents get their their clients signed to certain teams because they got relationships with us. Yep. They value that over a lot of times doing what's best for the player because they know if I got a relationship with this GM of this organization, I can always get a player so drafted. It's a it's a whole different game, man. It's oh yeah. It's a network, and I'm I'm finding that out. Like it's a network of who you know, and I'm learning that now. And I just I did a little intern, I did an internship with the, the Titans like recently, and you know I'm you know with Coach Brave, huh? Brave? Yeah, yeah. I was there with yeah. Uh, I did the scouting internship, so I was there with uh, Ryan Cowden. He brought oh, office, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Cowden, uh, E.G. Oh yeah, just some nice guys, man. Um, but yeah, but, um, and they just, you know, was just showing me the ins and outs and me on my own, um, on my own kind of just peeping everything. Like it's all, it's a network of who you know, and you know, and I'm finding that out now and it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, that's just, that's just the business, you know, and I, and myself, I kind of got to get out there now to kind of, you know, get back in there. Not as a, you know, necessarily a player, but just to get my foot back in the door as a I want to be a GM one day. That's my goal. But I'm finding out now. Yes, yeah, it's, it's who you know. It's a lot of it's a lot of that going on. So how could you have prepared better for the transition for the life after as football? How could I prepare better? Yeah, how could you prepare better for life after football? Networking, like yeah. talking and meeting people, like what we was just saying. Um, really, just meeting guys because honestly, they like my career, playing career. You know, I I find it, I don't even know if I come to grips with it yet. If I really want to be, say I'm done with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, that's just me and my pride talking. Because physically, like, I feel good. I feel like I can, you know, once I get in the proper shape. I feel like I can, but making these connections while I'm playing because, you know, my last down was in 2018. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. you know, it was abruptly. So you kind of got to make these connections and do what you can then while you're playing because it's harder now that, you know, I'm quote, unquote, out of it. You know, reaching out to people, they ain't texting me back as fast now. Mm -hmm. Replying these emails, it's quick now. Is when I, you know, when I hit a coach or something, they're not texting back fast enough. But they got stuff going on, so uh, I'm finding out. You know, hey, you gotta get in good with people, and create relationships. Then, um, you know, especially if I want to be a GM when I'm done playing, or you know, on the second half of my career, so. I feel like you know networking, meeting people, and forming relationships. That's a big key. That's that's it. That's it. And I think a lot of times guys have tunnel vision because you never know when is your last play, so you don't want to, you know, almost seem like you're trying to focus on something else. I mean, that's the culture though. Coaches don't want you to think about nothing else. Right. You know, they want you to be locked in, but All in, that's yeah. not always the best thing for the player because if you understand that and you make these relationships throughout the building other teams like me this thing's a small circle man these guys that might have been on one staff is going to be on another staff. You, you know so when that time do come you say hey i'm 
I t- remember I told you I wanted to get in the scout. They already know. Okay, we got you lined up. Let's make the move. Right. But because you're so tunnel vision and you just you, you, a lot of those opportunities kind of pass you by. Yeah. You know, one thousand percent, man. But you you see it all the time with these um with these staffs. You know, they'll have they hire a GM and a GM from like Buffalo, the GM. You know, now he was at Carolina. And they brought in Sean McDermott from Carolina. Mm-hmm. Now they bringing in a lot of other guys, players from Carolina. You know, so it's like a, it's a whole relationship thing. You know, it's it's it's, it's all the networking. Um, it's all about who you know. But it's a lot of jobs to be had in the NFL. Yes. But hopefully, I can get in there. Man. I'm trying to get in there uh, in the spring. Something, somebody got to bring me in. There. <laughs> well, you know that season. That season kick off, and we'll we'll talk about it after. But uh. Just so, so that's the next steps for you. You want to get into some type of front office position, scout, and kind of work your way up to possibly being a GM. That's what's next for you. Yep, that's yeah for me. Yeah, um, having a better look, I, like saying it and dreaming about it is one thing, but having like you know going in there, interning, and seeing how the college scouts and the pro scouts work together, and see how they bring guys in uh, for workouts, um, seeing how they just track throws at practice. And see how detailed it is. That was right on my alley, man. Because I'm a film guy. Yeah. I love to watch film. I sit there for hours and watch film and dissect the guy. And um, I think that I was just intrigued by it. And I was just, I was in the zone. I feel like I was in the zone then when I was doing it. And, um, and seeing how the inner workings of bringing guys in, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily getting, you know, any, you're not part of coaching staff, so we don't have to drop schemes, but it's a lot of stuff personnel department does that you know we try to, to know good. but you have to know schemes you have to know fits because you, you're getting guys that have to be guys that's going to fit the system so it, it works all together you know what i mean and somebody like really, really, no, it really does and it's beautiful how it all works like ties in the draft. like stuff i didn't even think about as a player and stuff that coaches don't even do that and it's all personnel is doing mm-hmm. tracking how much time is on the clock when this guy snaps the ball and Signals on the sidelines. That's not necessarily the coaches. That's personnel kind of doing all of that. So when I'm seeing all of that, it's kind of you know burn my fire burn a little more now. Like okay, this is definitely where I want to be. You know, this is definitely what I want to do moving forward. Like, you know, so I just want to sharpen my tools. Like even now, I'm gonna watch games and then uh, just write notes on yeah. like, my position, DNs, or just write a report on them every week or something like that, just to keep my tools sharp. And you know, you know, prepare myself really for anything I have in the next few weeks or months. Absolutely, man. Look, man, I know we've we've had you for some time. I definitely appreciate you. Uh Dre, you got anything else for him? Man, just just proud of you, bro. Like coming from a, a undrafted person, like I I'll seven round pick, so I know I know I know how it is. The coach oh, yeah. yeah. probably one day he'll joking about me being a seven round pick and like me barely being being drafted. So I mm-hmm. I know I know how you felt, man. Like you feel like you kinda like damn like Am I gonna make the team? Do, 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 do they want? Do they want me here? Like, yeah, you exactly, really, you're here, so like, you had to work. You had to work your ass off all the time. So yeah. I, I, I know where you're coming from, bro. So I, right. I, I, I really commend you for, for doing that and working your butt off playing seven years, bro. That, that's what's up, bro. Yeah, man, appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. So look, look, man. Uh, Ryan, we know it don't. It won't be long before you uh, have what it is you're seeking, man. This game. Uh, for you to have the level of understanding, the ability to play, not a lot of those guys. And that's what's really different. And we'll, I'll talk to you about it. But the guys that are on that other side, a lot of them don't have that experience of playing, really playing, and understanding. Yeah. You know, we talk about front office. So 
man, I'm rooting for you. You know, anything that I can do to help, man, you know, I'm just a phone call away. Um, but we're excited. We appreciate you jumping on the podcast, sharing sharing your story, your journey, man. And um, we look forward to all the success that's going to be in your future, man. So, again, thank you for your time, and we appreciate it. And, man, we'll be in contact soon. Appreciate that, my man. Appreciate y'all for having me, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. Grinding all my life, all my life. Grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. That's why all my life I've been grinding all my life. I'm married to this guy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.